this is Dominic, wedding DJ. And this is Serena, wedding planner. And together we are the, the wedding, wedding duo. duo. We are here to talk all things weddings. Planning a wedding can be stressful, but we are here to help. So before you say, that's it, we're going to Vegas, don't go to Vegas. Let's have some fun. Join us as we answer your wedding questions and help navigate planning one of the biggest days of your life with The The Wedding Wedding Duo. Duo. And we are back again for episode nine. Woohoo! We are back for the Wedding Duo podcast, episode nine, and we're super excited. We did take a little break last week. We didn't have an episode. We were a little fatigued from many events and got sick and it was the whole thing, but it was a strange week. We literally had a wedding every day of the week last. It wasn't all me. I had a Tuesday, a Friday and a Saturday, but, but as a team, as a we team, had every night like we had 15 a events, yes, it was a crazy week, Ooh. but it was good. It's a good problem to have as a small business. It absolutely is. But today we're going to talk about a fantastic topic. A lot of clients of ours, you know, we like to focus on what's important to y'all as a couple, right? We always say, you know, it's your day, do what you want, have your vision. But part of that vision for a lot of couples is, are their guests going to have a good time? We've all been a guest at an event or at a function of some sort. And there's things you're like, I'm hungry. I want to eat. The line at the bar is too long. Mm -hmm. Where are the restrooms? Why it's so hot? Whatever it is that was your thing. I'm sure you can think back maybe even to a wedding. So we're talking about weddings. You've probably been a guest at a wedding. Or just maybe, oh, this music, wah, wah. Let's get some cake and get out of here. Oh, the cake's all gone. (laughs) (laughs) So so today we're just talking about being a guest. And if you as a couple are concerned or how concerned should you be or things you can look out for for your guest experience. Absolutely. So that's what we're going to focus on is from a guest perspective, what do they look for? What makes it more enjoyable for you as a guest at a wedding? And the first thing we're going to talk about is a big, big piece one of the biggest pieces, I think, um, that can really throw a wrench in your whole day, right? And that is... And the hardest to control. The weather. The weather. <laughs> so as you're planning your event, even before you have a date, right? You're going to want to look at the time of year. There's a reason why in your area, certain dates are more popular than others. Certain seasons are more popular because usually the weather is more predictable. It's more mild. So something that you're really going to want to consider is if you're getting married in a time of year that rain is possible, that snow is possible, that extreme heat is possible, you can control the environment. It's huge. A lot of places have an outside ceremony and an inside reception. The ceremony is usually a shorter part of the day, right? Or the evening. Not usually, always. (laughs) I've been to some long ceremonies. Okay, okay. Still, it's not necessarily the majority of the day. but. but if you if you're at a venue that has a ceremony outside, reception inside, usually your guest will will, will muscle through, you know, 20 minutes outside in the either in right. the sun or the cold. Uh, usually, if people left the house, they grabbed a jacket or something. But I have seen the poor bridesmaids sometimes are in a spaghetti strap dress, and it is cold. I'm like, oh, geez, or hot, poor, poor ladies, or hot. Yes. So, and even this past weekend, it was uh, it was it was pretty muggy. Uh, the guests waited inside to the last minute. We're like, okay, we're ready to go. And we pushed everybody, all 200 guests up. They sat down. So it was, it was, it was minimal. minimal mm-hmm. Yeah. We tried to have minimal misery, misery <laughs> for the guests, but between as a team, as a vendor team, and then we checked with the couple and the parents and they were all like, yeah, that's fine. Let's keep them in the air conditioning. We went up did the ceremony and then everybody went right back inside, but that's not the case with every event. Right. And so <clears throat> there are so many beautiful places 
that you can have your event at, but you will want to consider is there the ability to have air conditioning? Is there ability to have shade? Um, that's what we mean by controlling the environment for your guests, making sure that the temperature is comfortable, especially while people are eating, um, because it, it can be really uncomfortable to be freezing or um, really hot while you're sitting down having a meal. Um, well, the other things that people don't think about is, is something like wind. There's a few venues that if you happen to get a windy day, it is just it is just really windy and like the flowers are blowing over. Uh, I've had, I've had cocktail tables like yes. blow, like it gets really gusty. So the main thing I always say is talk to your venue, talk to the venue. They have seen the good, the bad, the ugly, all of different scenarios. And you can say, uh, what happens if it rains? And they say, okay, here's what we do if it rains. Right. What do you do if it's really windy? What do you do if it's really cold? Like what if it, the temperature drops when the sun goes down? A lot of them have, oh, we can drop down these panels on the side of our pavilion. That helps. We have heaters you can rent. Oh, right. that helps. And th so they've, like I said, they've seen it and they can tell you like, worst case, this will happen. And if you say, that's your plan B, like maybe before you sky sign anything, yeah. you can say, I just don't feel comfortable with that. Or you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I can see that would work just fine. Thank you for sharing. And then you can feel comfortable with if that should happen to be something you're facing on your wedding day. Yes, because- to be completely honest and transparent, cross your fingers and hope it doesn't happen is not a good plan, honestly, because we've seen many an event be more stressful than it needs to because they're hanging on that weather forecast um, and trying to make last minute adjustments. So if you can make those plans up front and know that you have that contingency plan, you will feel more comfortable going through the planning process. Every couple going into their wedding day stares at the forecast <laughs> a million times in the weeks and days leading up to the event. They're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I think it's going to go to Friday. Wait, yeah. I think it's gonna be Sunday. Oh no, it's on my day. It's going to be hot. It's going to rain. It's going to, I mean, it's, that's another part of the stressful <laughs> part of the wedding planning that people don't talk about much, but, but it is a major factor in your day. Um, and for I, your guests. Yeah. And for your guests. So just look at it. There's like the three main categories. It's either all inside. It's half inside, half outside. Or if it's all outside, that's right. another one where you just got to say, what happens if this happens? And there's things you can do. You can bring in a tent, for example, if it looks mm -hmm. bad, but you can't call the tent company the morning of the wedding and expect them to set up. That's usually a thing you book pretty far out. Right. And they come in the day before, they set it up, they come in the day after and tear it down. And some of the venues may not let that happen. So it's another thing you need to like talk through, figure out. Um, but if it's not going to work, then maybe look at some other venues and just see what will work for, for the time of year that you're going to get married. Absolutely. And so we're moving on to some things you can do as it pertains to weather. So we talked a little bit about discussing with your venue, their options, but what can you do for your guests that would be helpful? And a few of those things are, let's say it is going to be cold. You can, as he mentioned, rent heaters. You can provide blankets if you're going to be outside um, for the ceremony. People can put blankets across themselves. Um, that can be a little more comfortable. If it's going to be hot, right, and there's going to be bugs, I've had people provide bug spray. You're going to want to make sure you have plenty of either bottled waters available or water, some type of beverage station mm -hmm. so that people can stay hydrated. Mm -hmm. You can have fans out, whether they be the hand fans, like for the ceremony or larger fans out at the cocktail hour. Sometimes I've seen those. So those are some things you can consider doing if you know the mm -hmm. weather is going to be one way or the other. And set up like a, if you have a water station, for example, sometimes they have water, tea, lemonade, whatever, set that somewhere other than the bar because you don't want to wait in line with everybody that's trying to get a drink or a beer or wine mm -hmm. 
and just to get some water. So that's like something if people are really hot and sweaty or even the couple, sometimes I try to go grab water. I mean, I, you know, I try, and we have to wait in line at yeah. the bar to get water. So right? set up a drink station that is in, you know, not at the bar, basically. That's right. A, I think that's a good idea as well. Yeah. And it's not hard or just have a big trough with ice and waters in there or sodas or something else. And you can do that honestly at the ceremony too. I've had couples put out a big bucket of bottled water so that people can sip on that while they're waiting for the ceremony to start. If it's really hot here in Texas, that is usually the issue we deal with. Um, so that's definitely something to consider. Even the little bottles of water work great and your guests will really appreciate it. I promise you because if anything runs behind or even is on time, there's a certain amount of waiting, of just standing around, kind of hanging out, <clears throat> waiting for the next thing to happen. And you want to consider your guest's comfort in those times. Sure. And their patience. Some people <laughs> are more patient than others. That's true. I've had, I can't tell you how many times during the night, I've had a, an aunt come up to me and be like, okay, DJ, let's go. Come on. What are we doing next? I go, you know, we have a plan. I know, <laughs> I know crazy aunt just showed up and thinks like, we should just be winging this. We're not winging it. We all met. We are not winging it. The couple it. are doing pictures or maybe in the evening they're doing sunset shots. Like we're going to do the next thing, but the bride and groom need to be here for that to happen. So, uh, but again, your guest, your guest will sometimes get impatient, get, get impatient and they want to move on with the next thing. And if it's just one person, that's one thing. But if there's one person that expresses it, there's a good chance there's another portion of the people that are kind of like, what's happening next? And so how can we address that? So that's a great topic. and. That brings us to guest communication, like communicating what's happening to your guests. And it actually starts before the wedding. Something that is a great resource and that I recommend to my clients is that you have some type of wedding website. And the reason for this, especially if you have guests traveling from out of state, out of the area, is that you can give a lot more information on a wedding website than just on a save the date or an invitation. So you can suggest things like hotels, places to eat, if they're going to be there for more than just the wedding. Your um, registry. You can put, yes, you can put your <laughs> registry on there as well. But as far as their experience for traveling to your event, you can give them, you know, parking suggestions, directions, like all that stuff is great information for your guests to feel comfortable coming to your event. Mm -hmm. And you can even tell them like, hey, if, you know, Maybe bring some sunscreen, maybe bring some bug spray, all, all yeah. that stuff. You can put that in there because the potential might be there for that as well. Right. And so then as we get to the event, something that's really helpful to communicate with the guest is signage, like the proper signage. If there's a long walk, for example, to the ceremony or it's confusing as to where they're supposed to be, you can put out signs. Um, my team... I usually set up one of my team members at the front and direct people. But if you don't have someone to do that, you can definitely put a sign with an arrow that leads to the ceremony. Oh, especially if it's a turn that is just easy to miss getting to the venue. Yes. Because that's one, because if you drove out there to, to check out this venue and you miss the turn, you know, it's like, oh my God, every one of our guests are going to miss that turn and they're going to end up in Timbuktu as opposed right. to coming to the venue. Put a sign saying Johnson Smith wedding, put some balloons on it, whatever. Drop that sign, nail it in the morning of so that people know, turn here because you're going to miss it. Uh, that's that's a, that's super helpful. It is. And then as you go along through the day, some things that I've seen clients do that is helpful to the guests, um, because as you mentioned, there can be, you know, some people that get antsy, they get anxious for what the next thing is. So if you have like a program out there that describes a very basic timeline of we're going to have the ceremony, then we're going to do cocktail hour, then we're going to dance, then we're going to eat, then we're going to drink and dance some more, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? That can be helpful too. 
Well, you mentioned about people having fans as well. I can't tell you how many times, even if the program wasn't designed to be a fan, if they give them out it. during the ceremony, you look around, everybody's like fanning themselves mm -hmm. with, the, with the program. So see, it's a dual purpose yes. item. But I mean, people hate on the programs a lot. But to your point, like people like to see what's going on. Sometimes they may know, there's usually your friends maybe know both of you as a couple, but your family knows you. Maybe they don't know your soon to be spouse. And maybe they, you were friends with people before you were with this person. So there's a lot of people like, who are all these people on the other side that I don't know? Right. And so it's nice to be able to say, oh, college roommate, that's the maid of honor or whoever. Um, I saw one recently where they had, I did TikTok on it, just, I think it's hit 1.2 million views, but on the back, yes. they had a, uh, a picture of the United States and they had highlighted the states where people had traveled from. And I thought that was pretty cool. You're like, oh, we have guests from California, from Ohio, from Washington. It was really kind of a cool way to do it. And then there's the, he likes, she likes, they like, if that's the genders involved. That's pretty cute too, but it's social media. So everybody hates on parts of it, but uh, it's really a program can be very cute to learn about the couple and to learn about just the day of what's happening, all yes. that stuff. And it's a fan. <laughs> and it can be a fan, which is again, in Texas, so helpful. Mm -hmm. So the other point in the day that you're going to need some type of signage or help is if you're doing a signed seating, your seating chart. Ah, uh, the seating chart. <laughs> yes. So something that I see often is if you have a larger guest count, it can be really helpful to do a seating chart in two places so that the line to look at where your seat is, is not super long, right? Um, be or a huge bottleneck as you move from cocktail to dinner. If they haven't. Yes. If they didn't know there was a seating chart one. Right. Um, but yeah. It, and if it's, if it's smaller, it's not in a good spot. Yes. So you want to consider that, especially with a lot of people. The other thing is how do you set up that seating chart so that People look at it quickly and they can identify where they're going to sit. And the best way we've seen is honestly to put it by alphabetical order rather than by guest. So your guest alphabetical order, right? Right. Yeah. So you have A's, meaning their last name starts with A. And then next to that name is their table number, right? Then B's, same thing. Instead of being like table one, these are all the people sitting there. The reason being is that you would, if you're table 15 and you start at table one, you have to look through 14 tables until you find table 15. Oh, that's yeah. where I'm sitting. Or you can even have it both ways, I guess. But uh, usually people commit to one or the other. But I've found yes. that is much more of a fluid process. Boom, there's my name. Boom, there's my table. And I'm going in. The other thing I do is, I'm sure you probably do this as well. But during cocktail hour, I walk around. I don't, if I'm talking to people, I'm like, hey, if you haven't had a chance yet, go scope out your seat now. Mm -hmm. Because once we say, ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the reception room is open, Everybody goes in and they either get up and go back and find it right. or they just sit there while grandma finds her glasses and can't, and you're like, just waiting behind grandma to see where, what table we're at. It can really kind of be, a, a, like I said, a big bottleneck and take what was, what you thought was going to be a five minute thing turned into a 25 minute thing. Yes, know? exactly. And people are just hanging out usually for cocktail hour, drinking and catching up. So it's a good opportunity if they know to look during that time mm -hmm. for where they're going to sit. The other thing that comes up a lot is lines. So one of the times that this happens, not only at the seating chart area, but is also at the bar. The bar. <laughs> so uh, I just did a TikTok about this recently as well. Like some people get caught up with the keg, like, oh, we got to have a keg um, because, and I don't think it's even more cost effective, but a keg takes a while for you to like pour slowly, make sure there's not too much foam, as opposed to just the bartender that can just crack open a can or pop open a bottle and just like, bing, 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 bing. Man, that line goes so much faster mm -hmm. than a keg. I'm not trying to hate on a keg, but the other thing is 
if you didn't use all the bottles or cans, just take them home, put them in the fridge right. and you can use them whenever you so desire, as opposed to the keg where you're like, we got to drink this next day, get all the guys <laughs> to come back over and we're going to polish this keg off. They're like, I can't drink any more beer. Yeah. I'm still hungover from last night. You're going to make me finish the keg. Um, <laughs> but it's just, and that's a, that's a side note, but just for expedient purposes to be able to roll through that. If you have a signature drink, that's maybe already poured and they can just like whoosh, or whatever, but mm -hmm. talk to your bar staff about that. They're the experts of course, but uh, uh, that can be, that can really, the line at the bar can really be a, a doozy. And if you do have a larger guest count, again, this is when you're going to need to make a decision about having multiple bartenders or multiple bars, meaning maybe one outside, one inside, two inside I've seen. Um, because of that reason, you don't want it to take forever for someone to be able to get a drink. So that's something to consider for sure. And again, the bar companies are really great at telling you, you know, hey, once you hit 150, I need to bring on an extra bartender or whatever it might be. Um, <clears throat> or an extra bar. Did you say that already? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So be a thing. that that definitely gets people grumpy if they can't get their drink and go back to what they were doing. So as far as the guest experience is concerned, they don't necessarily like lines. And this all all revolves around the big, the big B word, right? The budget. So that's always going to be a factor. And that's mm -hmm. always something to consider. But um. It's just, we're just, we're literally talking about it. Like if it's in the budget or if it's something you can do, this is something that we've seen at a lot of weddings that can become a bit of a, you know, a sore point for, for the guests. And that's the whole reason behind this thing. Cause we always talk, like I said, just bringing it back to the beginning. It's about the two of you mm -hmm. and your day and your experience. And we say laser focused on you too, but most people want their guests to have a good time. Yes. Right? And having a good time also usually means they aren't hangry, right? Angry. So that's the next thing is honestly... The first part of the day is the ceremony and people sometimes, you know, will sit there for 45 minutes to an hour um, for the ceremony. Maybe the ceremony itself isn't that long, but they got there a little early. They're mm -hmm. waiting through. So we do like to say that it is nice if once you get to cocktail hour, if you can get them something to eat. And it doesn't have to be massive. It can be cheese and crackers, you know, charcuterie board, past hors d'oeuvres. There's all sorts of options. But if you're going to take a good amount of time for photos, which you usually want to do, it's nice to give some people a little bite to eat. Yeah. And it does. It holds them over. Mm -hmm. um, and people love it when, whether it's past orders and somebody walks by like, Ooh, what is that little, let me try, let me try one of those. <laughs> like, oh, those are really good. Um, as opposed to, like you said, just some a station where they go up and graze, whether it's fruit and cheese and crackers or whatever. Um, we do a lot of nachos down here. Um, but they can be, that can get pretty messy actually, <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but it's cost effective. Right. So, uh, and people appreciate that. And like you said, if it's going to be a long time until we get dinner served, or if you're right on top of what is the dinner hour mm -hmm. or that dinner time, you don't want your guests to be hangry, like you said, or just be like, when do we eat? When do we eat? And you're like, they're not saying like, oh, the bride's so beautiful. Look at this great venue. They're like, okay, great. But when do we eat? Like, <laughs> when do we eat? Yeah. So that's something to consider when creating your timeline too, is if you are on top of that dinner hour, it might make sense to then after cocktail hour, be introduced into the room and go right into dinner so that people do get food before they sit through your your spotlight dances, your first dance, you know, parent dances. Um, so that's something that can really help get you to that point where people are sitting back fat and happy mm -hmm. rather than waiting for dinner, right? And their events, it's funny because some events it's like, man, we just finished the cake and then they opened up the dessert bar or some people do a lot. It's very common to do a late night snack and talk to your caterers. Your caterers are the pros on this. They will tell you, 
they'll give you the options. If you need a vegetarian option, if you want to have a buffet versus a plated meal, those are all factors. But there's nights where I'm just like, I'm on the mic and they go, hey, the late night snack is ready. I go, geez, people are just getting pummeled with food. And it's it's great. If you're a food people, great. it's great. They got food, they got appetizers, then we got dinner, then we had cake, then we have a late night snack. I'm like, holy cow, that's a lot. Well, food. and but again, I, that goes back to your budget, but, uh, but man there, and then there's nights where it's just like, I'm like, people, we better eat soon. Cause people, well, that's what I was going to say. The opposite of that is what we're trying to avoid is yes. where people are not getting fed <laughs> or having the option to have something to eat. So, um, that's definitely a guest experience thing. Something that we hear when we ask about like, what, was like not good about the last mm -hmm. wedding you went to, you know, Oh, I had to sit and wait to eat forever. That is a big, big factor for sure. You know what I would say? Hmm. I tell this to couples all the time. Usually it's on the, the sales call, the first contact we have with them. And I say, if you bump into a cousin that came to your wedding two years after you got married, chances are they're not going to be like, Oh my God, the shafari chairs. <laughs> You're like, maybe you have that one cousin that will remember the shafari chairs, but people get caught up on the chairs. But a lot of times it's, did they have fun, right? Did they have a good time at your wedding? And that, there's a good chance that if they did, that cousin would be like, man, did I dance at your wedding? Oh, God, so much fun. But if they were hungry, they wouldn't dance. That's true. <laughs> like I said, some people remember the food. They remember the beautiful bride. They will. But uh, And then, of course, did they have fun? And that falls usually squarely on the shoulders of this guy, your DJ. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about music selections, I always suggest to my couples, like, give me a playlist if you want to. Some people are not into music, which is hard as a music lover to to hear there are people out there right now they're like what people that are not into music i'm like yeah they're out there um and if you're on one of those people that's fine if you're more focused on the food or the drink or whatever or you just want to catch up and you're not going to dance uh maybe that's a good idea to bring in some other things like some games or a photo booth or something if you know my family's not really dancers right but we want to have a dj to MC the event to tell people what's going on and to have music even if it's just first dances and stuff and play background music but if you want to dance and you're dancers, because that's a comment when they say, my family loves the dance. I write it down in big and bold because I go, oh yeah, let me know. Because you know your families. You know, does your family, I I come from a long line of chicken dancers. He I does. I don't wish it upon anybody. It's unfortunate. But if my family gets together, <laughs> I guarantee at some point somebody's going to suggest it and we're going to be out there like, here we go. Let's just get it over with, rip the bandaid off. But uh, but if your family's into maybe the Grease soundtrack, if your family wants to hear Bohemian Rhapsody, that's the thing. Or you and your girls are all Taylor Swift fans. You and the fellas all love Drake. Whatever it is, like tell your DJ so we can incorporate that in. But the other side of that is it's not like you're at the club, right? If you're at a dance hall, it's country music, wall right. to wall, open to close. People and people know what to expect, to know. Yeah. yes. If you're downtown at an R&B club, guess what you're going to hear all night? You're mm -hmm. going to hear R&B or Top 40, whatever it is. But a wedding, you have three to four generations there and all walks alive, right? Right. Table five rides Harleys on the weekend. Table seven rides horses on the weekend. And they don't listen to the same music. So as the DJ, we cater to the couple, of course. But if you can cast a bit of a bigger net and try to bring in a few more in a different variety, right? You can try to get more people dancing. Because I'm trying to get the flower girl and grandma and everybody in between at some point to come out. And mm -hmm. dance. And there are nights where it's just like, I, I can do no wrong. Every song I play, everybody's out there. But then there's nights where the couple has given me a list of music and it's just, it's hard because it's not working and people come up and make requests, but the couple has given me more music than I have time to play. Right. That is the DJ dilemma. And those DJs out there are telling, they're nodding their heads right now saying, yep. yeah, because this just happened. This happens a lot. And, and I want to cater to the music that you want to hear. 
But I'm also looking up like, well, the couple aren't even in the room. They're talking to the other side. And these people want to have hear this particular song. So I get caught in that dilemma sometimes where I want to cater to the couple that hired me. But I also want to like get the crowd dancing because I can feel the energy. I can feel they want to dance. Mm-hmm. But uh, so um, so if you give your DJ, I would say give them 10 to 20 songs that you got to play these or you're fired. Yeah, I'm like, I got it. Uh, tell yeah. me if there's a story behind it. If there's a story like, okay, so this is a song, my family, every event we get together, my family plays this. I go, oh, I want to. I want to, I want to know that, right? <laughs> because I want to MC it. And I want to say attention to the Villarreal family. This is your jam. And they're like, ah, this is my jam. Think about, um, or whatever it is. But then there's just the usual suspects that just work really well. Right. And it's, it's helpful to, like he mentioned, to consider the generations that are there and what taste in music they may have. Like it might not necessarily be your favorite genre, but if you can throw in a few classics, if you can throw in a few country so the people can, you know, line dance, uh, sorry, two step um, or whatever, cumbia, whatever it is, that will make them feel included because, you know, we're talking about the guest experience, you know, that you don't want them just sitting back there in the corner, like, oh, he's not playing our, any of our music, yeah. right? <clears throat> so that's helpful. And it is tricky when sometimes people come up and say, hey, can you play something we can dance to? And I look and I go, uh, <laughs> the dance floor is crowded. I don't know if you can tell, there are people dancing, but their Maybe question they don't want to dance. That's to not it. what they want to dance yeah. to. That's not what they want to hear. And I'm like, Okay, you know, but uh, but if it's a good one and it fits, um, I'll absolutely do it, make it work. But again, we're always focused on the couple. And if they say, for example, we don't want any line dances, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Somebody comes up like, we got to do the wobble. It's a wedding. How have you not done the wobble? I go, I haven't done the wobble because we're not doing the wobble. And <laughs> I've been asked not to do the wobble. So you're going to have to just wobble yourself out of here and <laughs> go find another dance song you want to dance to. But um, because that's like, the, they give me the songs they want to hear and then the songs that they don't want to hear, which is equally as important. And then somewhere in the middle there, we try to get everybody else dancing. Yeah, absolutely. And the fun factor is huge. Like you mentioned, you know, if you do ask someone down the road, like what they remember about your wedding, if it was a blast, they'll forget all the other stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. if they really partied their behinds off, then they will have good memories from your event. So that's where you want to be able to trust your vendors, specifically in this case, your DJ, um, to read the crowd and be able to do the sets that work for the people that are in the room. And if you've got a crowd that's dancing, both sides, like they just want to dance and they're itching to get on the dance floor, but you have to do all the other stuff before then, there's things, go back and look at other podcasts where we talk about time-saving tips, whereas mm-hmm. you can kind of shave some time off to get to the dance floor. Because if you get your timeline, you realize, wait a minute, when we open the dance floor at 9.30 and we're done at 10.45, holy cow, that mm-hmm. is not very much dancing time. How do we how do we expand that dancing time? Right. Um, there's a lot of things you can do uh, to to kind of expedite the day to get to the dance floor if that's your thing. Yeah. And it usually is very important for not only the couple, but also for the guests. Like they enjoy the wedding part of it. Believe me, they like to see you get married. Of course, they want to enjoy the food. They want to catch up. But they really a lot of times want to get to that party portion and get out there on the dance floor and be out there with you and celebrating. Right. That's a huge piece of it. You know how much of a sap I am. I this past oh, weekend. Oh, I do. They, I know, but this past weekend <laughs> I saw the the first look with the, the the bride and her dad, right? Okay. And then, and they did. There was a second floor, so they were up on top. And I just I was setting up and everything. And I just kind of stopped and I was watching. I didn't even film that because it's a weird thing. It's like I don't want to. Yeah. The first look. I mean, I've got a lot of videos. I don't think we posted many of the first. We look, don't because it is a more private it is. moment. It's a really yeah. Intimate moment, and even though if I have the video, I'm like, I don't know. I'm no. wasting my time. But I do like to sit and watch, and I got a little emotional seeing the dad turn around and hug his. Look at the dress. I'm like, you look beautiful, and they give a hug. And then 
20 minutes later, she did the first look with the groom. And I do, I'm there again, sitting on the, on the dance floor, looking up at the second balcony going like, oh, it's so beautiful. And do you know how many weddings this man has done? And it still I'm, gets him, gets him exactly. this way. And it's, incredible to me. I mean, I'm just not a crier. I still bond She's with my- dead inside. No, I am not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I feel the same way when I see my couple go down the aisle, like after all this time of planning and like it finally happens. This is totally <laughs> more about the planner and DJ's experience yeah. now than it is about the guest experience, no, we've, but we've gone, on a tangent, we've gone but, off uh, on a tangent. But it, it oh, it's the best feeling like to is. see them get married. So with that, I think we'll Call it. I think so. Call it an episode. So we're sorry we missed you last week. If you don't know where else we are, we are also on TikTok where it all started as Wedding Duo. We are on Instagram. We have our website, which is theweddingduo.co. And we're doing some big, exciting things with our YouTube channel. So if you haven't already, go subscribe to that. And we look forward to seeing you all next week or hearing from us next week. We don't really see you. But um, what do we always say? We always say, and this is a good thing to to bring up again at the end of this episode, when you get caught up like, oh my gosh, I should be thinking about everybody else. Well, yeah, but it's a very personal day. So don't let anybody talk you into something you don't want to do or talk you out of something you have your heart set on. It's your day. Just do you, right? Yes, for sure. With that, we will say goodbye till next time. Happy wedding planning. Don't get too stressed. Hey, so thanks for listening to our podcast. If you found any of this information helpful and you know someone who may be engaged or is a maid of honor, maybe you could tell them and share it with a friend. Absolutely. So screenshot this episode, share it on Instagram, on Facebook, and tag the wedding duo. We promise to share the love back. Also, if you are interested in more resources or the show notes, you can go to theweddingduo.co. We have one-on-one -on -one virtual sessions, a shop, all sorts of fun stuff. Check it out.